So go to republicbroadcasting.org, click on the donate button, send badly needed fundage, where? To 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664. Phone it in to 1-800-724-2719, extension 3. Operators will be standing by. All right. So yesterday, well, okay, so today I was supposed to have Brother Nathaniel on, but, uh, he had technical issues. His tech person is away for the weekend or something like that. So it got postponed. And I've been busy, so I didn't have anything I, else. You know, I, but like Don Advo last you week, know, I was like good. Don Advo last week. out to him at the beginning of this week. Um, he was busy at the beginning of the week, and then I've been too busy to reach out again. And I had Philbert last week. I don't know why I didn't just record with Philbert, but it didn't happen because I've been busy. We'll probably get them next week. But, all right. And then Mark Collett, uh, he act okay, I didn't have this, my regular Monday show with Mark Collett because of a special reason that, that I assume he'll explain on Monday of next week. So I, but I had gotten a uh, article sent to me a blog post by Simplicius the Thinker. And uh, actually, I think this is this is making the rounds. It's making a, a, quite a stir. So um, I'm going to continue with it. I, I Two-thirds of my show yesterday was reading this, and about probably about half of my show today will be finishing it up. I'm not quite sure. You know, sometimes you, you're like halfway down the page, and you think you're halfway through an article, but actually there's like the bottom of the page is just filled with stuff. I don't know. This is this is uh, Substack, and I'm, I don't really read Substack, so I don't know what's at the bottom of the page. If it's like uh, a ton of uh, comments, or if it's uh, ads, or what. But we'll find out. So maybe I'm, who knows? Maybe I'm almost done with the article, but I'm going to be doing that. Um, I listened to uh, the Duran, the, or as Dr. Duke calls it, the Duran Duran. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows why that's funny. I think it's funny. And he, they had on Brian Berletic. Okay, so Brian Berletic has a website or blog or something called The New Atlas. And I guess he's... I don't think he's got military experience himself. He lives in Thailand. I think he's an American. He speaks pretty much with an American accent. I think he lives in Thailand. And he is, I guess he's a military analyst. But I, I, does, does he have military experience? I don't know. Uh, or is he just good at reading maps? And I think he's done a, a pretty good job with with the war. Uh, the Ukraine war, predicting what's going to happen and things. 
and he's been he has been a major source of information along with Simplicius the Thinker and others. What Alexander Mercurius does uh, is he he's got. He makes a living off of this because he's on, on he's monetized on YouTube, and so he can make a living off of this. And he just he weeds he, he figures out who are the uh, where are the reliable sources of information, and he curates them and analyzes them and does does a good job. Uh, now Brian Berletic when he was talking about his sources of information, he says, look, I don't have sources in the Russian ministry of defense. I just read the Western press. I read Bloomberg. I read Forbes, Forbes, uh, by the way, uh, Benjamin Fulford was the Asia. He was, I guess he was the Tokyo bureau chief for Forbes for a number of years. And then was promoted to like the Asia editor in chief or something. So that's Forbes, but that was before that was before he got into uh, conspiracy theories. At any rate, I'm just saying. Um, so they did the show, which was which was pretty interesting. Then they well they had their their regular presentation. Then they took uh, super chats, and super chats are people writing in questions for money. You know, you you I on. Uh, Nick Fuentes's show, I think the minimum chat is $3. You have to have $3 in order to ask him a question. I don't know if that's a standard or something. But at any rate, uh, they were getting questions. And so one of the things about Brian Berletic is, on the one hand, he, he predicted things pretty well. But this is the problem with the analyses. So you had people in the Super Chats who are trying to get these guys to call out the Jews. And they weren't successful. And so, what exactly was the question to Brian Berletic? Um, I don't know. But, well, okay. First, uh, people were asking about the plan, the plan. And, uh, and then, and then somebody was bringing up the fact that that Russia has diplomatic relations with Israel, which shows that that Putin's a Zionist, or something along those lines. It was a li- it was a little more. I'm not I'm not quite being fair to it simply because I can't remember the details, but it was kind of along those lines. And Brian Berletic said, "Look, uh, you know, it's it's only the West that that breaks off relations." with like it does the economic sanctions things that's not that's not normal adult behavior and so the fact that uh russia or china does business with israel or other countries doesn't mean they're controlled by the other countries doesn't mean they're being bought off it's just that's how normal countries do it and then um alexander mercurius he he chimed in and said well uh, to the extent that that Putin and Netanyahu ever had a, a good relationship, that's all in the past. That uh, Netanyahu has pretty much burned his bridges, and of course, uh, Russia had supported Syria. Uh, Putin is now very 
you know, he's very much calling for the uh, independent Palestinian state. And, and so made comments like that. There were other comments that were coming in about China. And, you know, China's got the uh, social credit system, this and that. And, and Brian Berletic, who obviously he's in Thailand. Thailand doesn't quite have a border with China. It doesn't actually share a border, but it's pretty close to China. And I'm sure when Brian Berletic obviously has been to China and he was saying, look, there is no, this is actually just a fallacy that there's a social credit system in China. Uh, there's not. Uh, and, and, you know, other people were coming in with uh, China, anti-China questions. And Brian Berletic was just saying, look, go to China and walk around. You can, you can walk around. People can, people are doing what they feel like doing. Um, so, so I was kind of, I was thinking, okay, so you, you get, so on the one hand, you get these, um, questions. There, there seems to be kind of a mindset and uh, here are the three axioms and the three axioms of a certain mindset. Everything is planned. Jews do all the planning Jews get their way. Now, there might be certain mindsets that um, uh, don't have all three of those. Like everything is planned and um, the planners always get their way without specifying it's the Jews, right? There are those. Um, or everything is planned, Jews do all the planning, but you know, not necessarily to get their way. Um, I don't know. But I talk about those as being kind of like three axioms of a certain mindset. So, which I find very, very frustrating. On the other hand, so you had super chatters who were, I wish I could remember the, all the questions, who were trying to get them to uh, call out Jewish power. And Brian Berletic, he, he just, he refused. He said, look, um, everywhere that the United States, um, I guess, uses as a proxy, you know, we the United States uses uh, Ukraine as a proxy, so there's a Ukraine lobby in Congress. It uses Israel as a proxy, so there's an Israel proxy. Everywhere we where we intervene, you get this, which was really, really weak. It was really weak. Uh, now, one of the things is, though... Um, there is a misunderstanding that Israel controls America. Israel doesn't control America. Jewish power dominates America. I don't use the term control because it's, it's, I think it's too strong. Uh, to control, control can mean a couple of different things. Um, but Basically, control means if you control something, you're making everything happen. If you're dominating, it means you're usually winning, right? So um, for decades, the New York Yankees dominated the American League or they, you know, right, they dominated baseball. Well, if from about the time of Babe Ruth to the time of uh, Mickey Mantle, from the early 20s to the mid-1960s, 
the Amer- the American League was dominated by the New York Yankees. They won most of the time. They didn't always win. There were sometimes um, the Cleveland Indians or the Detroit Tigers uh, won the pennant. There was only eight teams back then. I guess the last couple, you know, in 1961, you got a couple extra, the, the Angels and who else? Oh, the expansion senators came into the league. But you had eight teams and the Yankees dominated, but they didn't control. So I, I use the term dominate. So America is dominated by Jewish power, not by Israel, but Jewish power has a high priority on Israel. So Jewish power dominates America, and it it's as as a some people would say a top priority. Their top priority is Israel. I don't even say their top priority is Israel. I, I um, and I think this is. I think I was influenced by. Uh, Kevin McDonald on this. I think this is one of Kevin McDonald's ob- observations. Their top priority actually isn't even Israel. Their top priority is uh, the avoidance or suppression suppression of anti-Semitism. That's their top priority. And if you think of it that way, because you do have uh, J Street, you have you have uh, Jewish Voice for Peace, you have these organizations that. Even at, like J Street is pro-Israel, um, but they think Israel is going too far, so they call themselves pro-Israel, pro-peace. Okay, well, why? Because APAC and those who just want to give the Israeli government whatever they want, uh, they're rocking the boat. They are going to invite anti-Semitism. It's obvious what's going on right now that blind support for Israel, unconditional support for Israel, is absolutely leading to anti-Semitism. So, I mean, that's why you got all these... And it's... Oddly enough, it's from the left. It's not from the the right. They're, like, the the right... Uh, you have, like, a small sliver of people who largely listen to, to FEN... Not FEN. RBN. FEN is the Far East Network, which is... Um, part of armed forces radio it's a u.s army radio in in the far east but at any rate um there's there hasn't i mean the uh the magapedes the people from gateway pundit and what whatever gateway pundit they uh they're all for israel and they're outraged at iran which we're about to be getting to if once i stop this long introduction introductory ramble but um, no, Brian Berletic was just—he was just downplaying it. And so this is this is one of the problems. So the people like Brian Berletic. Now I don't know how he supports himself. Uh, if he's living in Thailand, he doesn't need that much money because it's pretty cheap in Thailand. Uh, so he can do what he's doing and live in Thailand. Macurus um, lives in London, which is much more expensive. But um, yeah, so. This is this is a problem. So on the one hand, the the people who are alarmed at Jewish power often, uh, okay, so they they have fallacies of their own, and it, like the reason that people uh, shout about Israel controlling America so much is because again they don't um, because you're not allowed to talk about Jews. You are allowed to talk about Israel. You you can't complain about Jews in America. But you can complain about Israel. 
And so, you know, a lot of the, these narratives, uh, come up like about communism. It's all communists. Oh, they're all communists. Biden's a communist. No, he's, he's, he's just somebody who is a, a lifelong servant of Jewish power. He calls himself a Zionist. He says, you don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. It's not a communist. Anybody who calls Biden a communist has no idea what communism meant during the 20th century when it was actually relevant. Okay. So anyway, and then, or they'll have weird definitions of what it means to be communist or communists are pretending to be communists are pretending to be non-communists, but they're really communists. Communists are pretending to be, you know, libertarians or they're pretending to be whatever nationalists, but they're really just communists. Every, everything's communism. All right, now it's just getting too retarded. So I'm going to move back to this uh, reading now. I'm going to start reading. Okay, and so this is from uh, Simplicius the Thinker. This is part two. I read a whole bunch. Uh, This is about uh, how things are going really badly for Israel, and Iran is in a very strong position. Of course, they're going badly for the United States, too. So here we go. With everything quickly going south and the U.S. finding itself increasingly drawn into a quicksand like mire, there are now some shocking reports about what it could all entail. First, two days ago came a rumor that the U.S. was considering talking its Kurdish allies in Syria into working with Assad forces to combat ISIS. And then here's a little screenshot of a headline and a link to it. Um, Pentagon floats plan for its Kurd, Syrian Kurd allies to partner with Assad against ISIS. The proposal, which the head of the excuse me Syrian Democratic Forces denounced as a rotten plan, comes as part of a renewed policy of Syria, a, re, a renewed review of Syria policy by the State Department. Okay, so what does that all mean? This immediately set off speculation that the U.S. was getting ready to abandon Syria once and for all and was looking for a way to securely fill the vacuum. Naturally, many scoffed at this and refused to believe that the U.S. would possibly withdraw from the region. But then came today's Charles Lister hand bombshell for uh, foreign policy. Foreign policy is uh, a magazine, I'm pretty sure it's uh, the published by the Council on foreign relations, and uh, it's very establishment. Okay. America is planning to withdraw from Syria and create a disaster. The Islamic State has regained its momentum, and the Biden administration might inadvertently give it another boost. All right. And the shockwaves the article sent are still doing their laps through the world. As usual, it cites unnamed sources at the Defense Department and White House. While no, this is quoting from that other article, while no definitive decision has been made to leave, four sources within the Defense and State Departments said the, the White House is no longer invested in sustaining a mission that it perceives as unnecessary. Active internal discussions are now underway to determine how and when a withdrawal might uh, might take place. So, and as you remember, so the United States.
Gilad Atzman says the essence of Jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of Jewish power. Jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it, but never talk about it. My awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race and the fact that race drives history and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQRS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago. And I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, you know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's a Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Charles de Gaulle once said, actually, it's difficult to envision in this regard any other criterion, any other standard than gold. Yes, gold, which does not change in nature, which can be made into either bars, ingots, or coins, which has no nationality, and which is considered in all places and all times the immutable and judiciary value par excellence. So when the question is, why gold? It's simple, my friends. The answer to that question is simply, why not? Like it or not, precious metals will always be the world's reserve currency, even though nations do not define their currency by their worth and say gold. Individuals still buy gold and silver to protect themselves from inflation. The more money a nation's central bank pours into the economy, the less value its currency, the dollar is, which means the price of everything else rises. $21 up for a bag of dog food, seeing that the dollar is cheap. That's why the cost of everything goes up. It's because the buying power, the value of the dollar is tanked. It's worth nothing. And yet gold that your family would have owned in 1907 will buy at least the same amount of goods, if not far more. William McPhee once stated it's extraordinary how many emotional storms one may weather in safety if one is ballasted with ever so little gold. The truth about money, gold versus cash in a crisis, gold a valuable thing to store, the power of gold in times of crisis. Historical sketch of paper currency. Oh, and beware the Ides of Rare Coin Dealers and Alan Greenspan's speech on gold and economic freedom. How interesting. I'm going to give you gold and silver in five easy lessons. Seeking out the most efficient and most secure route to owning gold and converting it into widely accepted currency is the next best thing to enjoying gold-backed currency, my friends. In a world of central bankers hell-bent on devaluing our savings, you need to own private gold standard. Contact me, Jeffrey Bennett at Kettle Moraine Limited, by calling our phone number at 602-799-8214. That's 602-799-8214. Necessary. Active internal discussions are now underway to determine how and when a withdrawal might uh, might take place. So, and as you remember, so the United States has uh, bases in Syria that are illegal. They don't have the permission of the Syrian government to be there. The United States. Um, do they actually? Is it? Can you actually even say they occupy uh, this uh, northwest northeastern corner of Syria? Uh, the northeastern corner of Syria is not under government control. You've got 
that's where you've got Kurds. And so you've got these other militias, other forces, non-Syrian government forces in control of of, uh, that area that are allowing the United States to set up uh, some little bases there. All right, back to the article. The Pentagon is was quick to release, the, and when I say the article, back to Simplicius the Thinker. The Pentagon was quick to release a statement denying that such a thing is actually being planned. However, that means very little, as they wouldn't admit to discussing hum- humiliatingly face-saving retreats of this sort anyway. Not until the script writers have hammered out the exact angle and narrative that will be used to stage manage such a withdrawal. In short, they'll need to find a way to spin it as some major victory for Biden. For those who may still be skeptical, there are additional adjacent reports which seem to at least imply something is afoot on this account. Most shocking of all are new reports that the U.S. is in discussion to end its occupation of Iraq entirely. Now, we had actually withdrawn from Iraq at one point, uh, I think in 2011, 2011, and then some years later, a few years later when ISIS started uh, raging, then uh, we moved back in at the invitation of the Iraqi government. But the Iraqi government isn't all that pleased with uh, the United States right now. So, anyway... This is also quoting from somewhere, um, Roy, okay, Reuters, citing sources. This is from Reuters. Initial talks between America and the government in Baghdad about ending the presence of coalition forces in Iraq against the backdrop of developments that took place as a result of the war in Gaza. Okay, the United States of America made the end of its presence, a condition that it stop strikes by resistance factions on its bases in Iraq. Okay, so I, I, this is written a little weirdly, but the United States said that uh, it will withdraw, but uh, on the condition that uh, I guess the government of Iraq stop strikes by resistance fact- factions on its bases. The United States expressed its readiness to begin talks with the Iraqi government in a letter delivered by the United States ambassador to Iraq, Elena Romanovsky, to Iraqi Foreign Minister uh, Fawad Hussein on Wednesday. Romanovsky, is this this a Jewish name or not? I don't know. Okay, here's another article, and this is from, where is it from? Exclusive, because this is a screenshot. Uh, oh, this is from Reuters. Okay. Um, so I guess this is where the quote came from. Uh, and the headline is Exclusive U.S.-Iraq to Initiate Talks on End of U.S.-Led Military Coalition. And that's from January 25th. Jeepers. Okay. Um, and then CNN Today. This is from CNN Today. It's published January 24th. U.S. and Iraqi government's expected to start talks on future of U.S. military presence in the country, okay, which is by Natasha Bertrand, I don't know who that is, and Oren Lieberman, CNN, okay. 
The U.S. ambassador, Alina L. Romanovsky, is reported to have delivered a memo today to Iraqi for, to the Iraqi Foreign Ministry regarding preliminary steps to begin the withdrawal of U.S. and coalition forces from the country. This comes amidst calls by members of the Iraqi government for forces to depart the country due to the war in Israel and continued attacks by Iranian-backed forces. The U.S. claims these are long-planned talks and have nothing to do with the recent attacks. But clearly that is not the case. The Reuters article above provides one key line. In doing so, the U.S. had dropped preconditions that attacks against it by Iran-backed Iraqi militant groups in Iraq first stop, three of the sources said. Okay, so no longer it's on condition that the, the attacks stop. Okay. You see, the U.S. previously had preconditions for talks on ending the occupation. One of those conditions being that Iran-backed Iraqi groups first had to stop bombing U.S. bases. But now, the U.S. has apparently dropped this significant precondition as per the Reuters report. That tells us that the U.S. is making concessions out of desperation. All right. The CNN article states, but some elements within the Iraqi government prefer a schedule based on a timeline. Setting the date for an American with... <coughs> Excuse me. For an American withdrawal regardless... You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to T-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop-and-lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop-and-lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. 
Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. But some elements within the Iraqi government prefer a schedule based on a timeline, setting the date for an American with <coughs> excuse me for an American withdrawal, regardless of the instability, regardless of the stability or security situation within the country. On January 10th, the office of Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed Shia al-Sudani said that they would soon begin the process to end the presence of international coalition forces in Iraq permanently. All right, so just what in the world is going on exactly? At this most critical of times, why is the U.S. thinking of tucking its tail and running from the region? Now he's going to offer his take. My take, okay, he's offering his take, and then Alexander Mercurius's comments on this, I'll add that later, but my take, this is the author, Simplicius, in short, the U.S. is being run out of town by Iran. Their bluff was called, and U.S. knows their puny strikes can do nothing to truly degrade Iran's highly decentralized hybrid warfare systems and groups. Iran has risen to become a hegemon verging on a great power in the region. The U.S. has a few obsolete fleets which cannot keep up blow for blow with Iran in exchange exchange rounds of ammo. Iran can saturate them forever with drones and cheap rockets, which which the U.S. is spending millions per every fired shot to intercept. Furthermore, the U.S. cannot produce its most important strike weapons in enough quantity to ever win a war, to ever win a long-endurance standoff. For instance, here's a thread showing the U.S.'s procurement of refurbished and upgraded tomahawks, indicating that they can only produce a few dozen per year for hundreds of millions of dollars. And then this is something... um, This is a tweet or something. Raytheon can't deliver missiles due to supply chain issues. The Empire has no clothes. And it references a Bloomberg article. Um... 
So RTX is that Raytheon to slow delivery to slow deliver missiles. Oh, I'm sorry. RTX slow to deliver missiles to defend U.S. carriers from China. RTX has so far delivered half the missiles in 2019 contract. Persistent pandemic-era supply chain problems seen as a cause. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, they, they, there were a lot of supply chain. Do you remember that from, you know, 2020, 2021? Uh, the supply chain, there were all these supply chain problems. I guess more 2021. And uh, it was the corona apocalypse. Oh, but at least we didn't all die of the deadly coronavirus. Okay, so we have to be thankful for that. Though it may seem unrelated... There is a video of this new video of Arostovich. I don't know who Arostovich is or, or Arostovich is quite topical. He describes why NATO could never defeat the Russian Iran axis. In particular, what he gets inc- incisively accurate is that the U.S. is really good at really good for one big hammer blow, after which it would have major sustainment issues in producing the precision strike systems for a long-haul endurance campaign. Okay, well, I'm not going to play this. Um, But there's a quote here. If you think that this army will joyfully and passionately defeat the Iranians who are fighting for their Shiite Allah, well, that's just a caption. He's absolutely right. The U.S. can launch a massive shock and awe of hundreds of tomahawks at a time, even thousands. But against Yemen, such firepower does nothing but hit cactuses and empty sheds. What I believe is this. Okay, so what does he believe? The U.S. is currently at a precipice where it can still somehow save face by retreating early and pretending it never intended to uh, commit in the first place. But if it goes on and overcommits, it stands to get militarily exposed. The war will see the U.S. as utterly. The world will see the U.S. as utterly weak and beatable if they went all out with full force posture and nonstop strikes and achieved nothing. It would show that the mighty U.S. naval fleets are impotent. All their vaunted force projections, are, uh, force projection capabilities are totally overrated and useless against Iran. It's like a bully throwing a smaller kid up against a locker. There is that one split moment where the bully's path is forked. He can either go all in and begin the fight, at which point if he happens to beat the smaller kid, his reputation is ruined forever. Oh, if he happens to get beat by the smaller kid, or if he takes, he can take a small prestige hit by pushing the small kid away and saying, eh, you aren't worth it anyway, twerp. It may seem like a bit of a cop-out, but the bully still manages to preserve most of his aura of dominance. Okay. Um, Let's see. Okay, here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not sure when this analysis ends, but uh, Mercurius is saying that there could be another explanation that the United States is pulling out its forces uh, because these forces are vulnerable in the event that the United States uh, launches an actual war against Iran. It does not want to have a bunch of uh, its own troops who can't aren't in a position to really do much. If if you're going to have a uh, a big technology and ballistic missile uh, strike against Iran, you don't want to have these these forces near Iran 
vulnerable to Iran and very vulnerable to, you know, the pro-Iranian militia groups that operate nearby. You don't want them there. So you withdraw them in order to uh, to clear the field for a, a much more remote strike against Iran. Okay. Um, so that this that this withdrawal is a tactical withdrawal in order to clear the way for a much bigger strike, which isn't necess- which is is ominous. So Mercurius views this with some trepidation. Anyway. We'll we'll keep going, and back to Mercur- back to uh, Simplicius the thinker. I believe the U.S. is in precisely this position. It sees itself as nearing the point of no return, after which it would have to either totally commit to an overwhelming victory, which internally U.S. planners know is not possible without a massive, unprecedented Gulf War esque conflict with boots on the ground, or it cuts its it cuts. Or cuts its losses now and exchange a small amount of embarrassment and shame for an existential level humiliation uh, that could entirely ruin the U.S. for good, which is what would happen if it totally and uh, totally committed and lost. Now, Mercurius, getting back to Mercurius now, he cites as uh, an example of what he's talking about as the uh, sudden. Biden administration pull out from Afghanistan, which people say was botched because they left back behind the whole bunch of weapons. And I say it was awesome because they left behind the whole bunch of weapons, which I don't want the United States to have a whole bunch of weapons when the United States is controlled by people who, frankly, don't care. They're not that into us. Okay, they're not that into us. So why would I want them to have a bunch of weapons? I'm glad I, I much prefer the Taliban to have that weaponry. I don't I don't know why people don't get that. The Taliban really is, they are far less of an enemy to us. They're, the Taliban is not going to be able to use that those weapons to hurt us here in the United States. Really? Really? Um, and they're not going to be using those weapons to, to create geopolitical problems. Maybe people might disagree, but I mean, the geopolitical problems are being created by us. Okay? B- by our Jewish-dominated government. So, no, I'm glad. Anyway, uh, Mercurius said that you had the hasty pullout. Now, the pullout had, had been, and I give Trump, Trump credit for this, it had been negotiated with the Afghan government by Trump. Um, would Trump have left behind all the, those weapons? That wasn't part of his deal, but I'm glad it happened. Um, and then Trump always says, oh, we wouldn't have left Pogrom Air Force Base. Why would we want to leave a giant Air Force Base that's so close to China? Okay, somebody needs to smack him upside the head. I am so sick of that. Anyway, um, so Brian, so uh, Mercurius is saying that the hasty withdrawal was because if you look at a map, Afghanistan uh, it, it borders the Central Asian republics that used to be part of the Soviet Union that, for the most part, are still in a Soviet or or a Russian orbit, and that. These that the bases, the U.S. bases in Afghanistan would have been vulnerable to Russian um, reprisals once the uh, Iraq and once the Ukraine proxy war started. Now, Mercurius doesn't think that Putin actually would have uh, struck at American bases in Afghanistan. 
uh, in any rate, at any rate. But the uh, people in the State Department who were who make the policy that they very well might might have thought, knowing that they were trying to take down Putin, that they were using the Ukraine war in order to take down Putin, and their plans were actually to, to destabilize Russia. Uh, it's, it's very plausible that the State Department plotters and schemers uh, might have thought, thought such a thing and wanted to get the uh, American troops in Afghanistan out of the way. All right. Okay, so I, um, we're going to keep with this as long as I can. Each day that passes and each new strike that on U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria brings the U.S. closer and closer toward the brink. And, of course, this is going on. They know they cannot maintain this tempo, particularly given that Israel was the U.S.'s chief mode of deterrence against Iran and Syria. But now Israel has its own hands tied in Gaza, and the U.S. has suddenly found itself being overwhelmed. The action appears to be coordinated within the resistance axis, which I guess he refers to these various uh, Iranian-aligned groups, particularly given new reports that Russia will begin aerial patrols of the Golan Heights corridor. Okay, Russia, here is a, uh, from TASS news agency, Russian aircraft begin patrolling Syria-Israeli disengagement line. Commenting on the situation in Syria, the Russian official said that three attacks on Syrian pro-government forces had been registered in the uh, Idlib de-escalation zone. And then this is from Dancing with Bears. Largest ever Russian strategy and security delegation headed by Security Council Secretary Nikolai Petrushev is in Tehran for talks with Iranian counterparts to discuss Houthi, Hezbollah, Iraq, Syria war fronts. Okay, and so you're seeing this. All right. Back to Simplicius. This may be a tactic to block the U.S. in with a one-two punch. Russian planes deter Israeli strikes, which helps Iran build strength and deliver arms to its militias in Syria. Then those militias increase pressure by hammering U.S. bases in the region. Seeing the writing on the wall, the U.S. knows the situation is untenable and unstable. Will the U.S. actually scram sometime soon? Most likely not, as there are multiple factions, amongst which... The neocons, which will surely push with all their strength to maintain U.S. troop presence in the region, even if it takes a new small false flag or two. However, it is certain, it is certain, I'm sorry, however, it certainly is a sign of the times and of how desperate the situation is becoming for the empire. But the pressure on them continues increasing. The Iraqi resistance revealed a new message just today that they are initiating phase two. And then senior Iraqi Islamic resistance commander Hajj Abu Allah al-Walai. Resistance operations have moved to the second phase. The second phase of the Islamic resistance operations in Iraq includes enforcing the blockade on Zionist maritime navigation in the Mediterranean Sea and putting the ports of the usurping entity out of service. All right. Um, This is an escalation... That was a quote from some Arabic source. This is an escalation spiral that the West is not ready for, particularly when they're embroiled in numerous conflicts around the globe. Of course, there's there's always the chance that 
U.S. may wind up doubling down. But at this point, its position has never been weaker. And the longer things go on, the more economic damage is done to the West and its allies. Russia and China continue to have free passage through the straits, as well as cheap energy, while the West is taking all the hits. And then this is from Admiral James uh, Stavridis, who I think is some neocon general. He's retired. Okay, U.S. Navy. Gee, I wonder why Russian ships feel so comfortable in passing through these dangerous waters. Could it be the terrorists of a feather flock together? Okay, yeah, that's that's a stupid thing to say. Um, terrorists of a feather flock together. All right. You see him on TV. Anyway, I don't watch TV. We've got, like, just a few seconds left. Uh, this article does continue. Um, I'm going to scroll down just a little bit and see how much further this goes. And it does go, it goes on a bit further, but I don't think I can, okay, I'm going to plow through real fast. Okay. Um, the longer it goes, the, the larger the political storms that will engulf Europe. The AFD in Germany, for instance, is already now calling for uh, German exit from the EU. Things are certainly coming to a head, and the chickens are coming home to roost for the U.S. as well, as the southern border is now slowly inching towards civil war. Okay. At, as a last note, circling back to Israel, if things are so dire, why is Israel still talking about potentially opening up a new front against Lebanon? One popular theory is they want to use a new, even larger war against Hezbollah to hide their failure in Gaza. How would that work if the war against Hezbollah uh, could be an even bigger failure? It's hard to say for certain, but one idea simply is simply that by doing so, they would hope to somehow draw the U.S. into a larger war against Iran in order to cut off the snake, uh, cut off the head of the snake in their eyes. The second potential idea is that one of the reasons for Israel's failure in Gaza is that they that they know the only way to truly succeed and totally uh, deracinate Hamas is to destroy all of Gaza entirely. However, the outcry has turned global sentiment so far against them that the U.S. has had to step in and exert major political pressure, forcing Israel's hand in cutting their plans short. But by opening a second major war front, Israel could seek to shift all global attention to the Lebanese front, which would leave a lacuna of coverage in Gaza, allowing them to finish totally demolishing it under the cover of a much wider conflict. Also, given the fact that the Israeli public itself is souring on the Gaza adventure. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. 
That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. front, which would leave a lacuna of coverage in Gaza, allowing them to finish totally demolishing it under the cover of a much wider conflict. Also, given the fact that the Israeli public itself is souring on the Gaza adventure, this could allow them to sway public support in a more existential fervor by embroiling Israel in such an ostensibly wide-scale war that it would frighten the citizenry into supporting the war effort out of sheer desperation and survival instinct. Lastly, there is a great new article written by Patrick Theros, the ex-U.S. ambassador to Qatar. He brings up some good points about how Biden appears to be caged in by the Israeli lobby, contrasting that with previous presidents who managed to show a little more dignity and gumption in standing up to Israel's control of the U.S. And then here's a some sort of quote. A decisive American president can do anything he wants, whether or not a powerful lobby opposes him. Eisenhower did it, forcing David Ben-Gurion to withdraw from Sinai in 1956. Carter did it in his walk in the woods at Camp David in 1978, forcing Menachem Begin to abandon Sinai settlements and agree to a peace treaty with Egypt. Reagan did it in June 1982, forcing Begin to order a ceasefire in Beirut. George H.W. Bush did it in 
1991, withholding $10 billion in aid after Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir refused to stop settlement construction. Israel caved in each case. No one believes Netanyahu is made of the same stuff as uh, Ben-Gurion, Golda Meir, uh, Menachem Begin, or Yitzhak Shamir. Okay, anyway. Uh, he brings up the turning tide in the U- U.S. with the young population increasingly at odds with Israel, which includes a lot of young Jewish, liberal, and Democratic people. From the New York Post, majority of Americans 18 to 24 think Israel should be ended and given to Hamas. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know if that really is what it means, but anyway. Uh, Patrick, whoever that is, cites a recent survey that nearly half of young Jewish Americans do not support the current policies of the U.S. towards Israel. And then he shows a chart. I'm not going to explain it. Um, he ends on a similar conclusion of my own that there is a small window remaining. Biden has a very short window within which he can cut off Netanyahu before he can carry out his apparent war aim to depopulate Gaza and carry the conflict to Lebanon and possibly beyond. A conflict, in other words, that could very well drag American forces into another endless Middle Eastern war. A quick and decisive decision combined with real diplomacy to end the crisis and craft a workable solution to 75 years of Israeli-Palestinian conflict would recover America's reputation. Last paragraph. This brings up one Last potential explanation for the new bombshell announcements that the U.S. may leave Syria and Iraq. It could be a threat to Israel. Since Israel does not take any other type of plea into consideration, the only remaining avenue for the U.S. may be to simply threaten to ditch the region with attendant loss of direct regional military support and stop, in short, stop your escalations or we'll leave you hanging to fend for yourself against this emergent Iran. And some within the State Department and military might be outright pushing for a total withdrawal simply to keep the U.S. from being embroiled in a larger war they know is unwinnable. That's the end of the article. Um, If you want to know my thoughts on this, I will probably be discussing them with Mark Dankoff in the show immediately following this one. So stay tuned to the Dankoff Report, and I will be back again on the Dankoff Report and next week with more exciting episodes of National Cable Radio. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. 
That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. 